Hey there, strangers. This week, we want to introduce you to a show from a friend of the pod, Lainey, that we think you will really enjoy. We're going to let her tell you all about it. But the show, which is called It's Haunted, What Now?, is definitely up your weird little alleys. So, be sure to check it out. Hey, One Strange Thing aficionados. This is Lainey Hobbs, host of It's Haunted, What Now?, I'm thrilled to drop an exclusive teaser episode right into the heart of the One Strange Thing feed. Curious about haunted objects and real-life paranormal experiences shared by our listeners? Well, you're in for a treat. To catch the full episode or explore more strange encounters from our community, head straight to It's Haunted What Now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you tune in. Subscribe, listen in, and let the haunting tales unfold. Your next supernatural adventure awaits on our show. Stay curious, stay haunted. Welcome back to It's Haunted What Now? We are now in for a bonus episode on the Loch Ness Monster. As you recall, we do not typically follow or include cryptids in our normal content, but part of the bonus episodes are covering cryptids and other walks of life, so we hope you enjoy this episode on the Loch Ness Monster. So the first written account of the Loch Ness Monster, at the start of the Hiberno-Scottish mission, the Irish priest Columbia journeyed to Scotland for the purpose of spreading Christianity to the region. It was during this expedition in 564 AD that he trekked through what is today known as the Highland Council area of Scotland, which housed green hills and valleys, several rivers, and a crisp 23-mile-wide lake. Columbia's peaceful stop at the lake was short-lived when he witnessed a creature emerge from the 788-foot depth of the otherwise tranquil waters, biting a swimmer. He watched as it plowed forward with the intent to attack the other panicked people bathing in the lake, and it was then that he performed one of his miracles. He commanded the beast to go back, and it listened. After this incident, sightings were sporadic over the next few centuries, some seeming to be inspired by Scottish folklore, which in many cases had to do with mythical marine life. Columbia's autobiography, later published in 565 AD, was the first written narrative of the Loch Ness Monster. Now, in early 20th century sightings, little was known about the Loch Ness Monster and what he looked like or what she looked like until accounts began to crop up in the 1930s. A couple claimed to have seen it as it crossed their path to get to the water. They told their story to a newspaper, who reported that they compared what they saw to a dragon or prehistoric monster. This subsequently led to a surge of people coming forward to insist they too had seen the creature. In December of the same year, Marmaduke Weatherall, 
a big game hunter was asked by the Daily Mail to find this unknown beast. He did not disappoint. Marmaduke found huge footprints along the lakeshore and said they looked like they belonged to a soft-footed creature that was 20 feet long. With this finding, the Daily Mail released a report titled, Monster of Loch Ness is not legend, but fact. Unfortunately, this statement was later discovered to be a hoax, but no one knows exactly how Marmaduke was involved in it. With the increase in sightings and news reports, but no real evidence, people wanted to prove the monster's existence. In 1934, a photo was printed in the Daily Mail, depicting a creature with a small head and neck. This photograph, taken by an English physician named Robert Kenneth Wilson, became known as the surgeon's photograph. It was then that the monster of Loch Ness became an international star. Okay, so you might be listening and wondering, okay, Lainey, what is the Loch Ness Monster? Now, though the priest Columbia was credited with the first written account of the Loch Ness Monster, it actually dates back to ancient times, with stone carvings of a creature made by the Pict, illustrating flippers. It is known to be a marine creature believed to inhabit Loch Ness, which has the largest volume of fresh water in Great Britain, with a watershed covering more than 700 square miles, comprising several rivers and outlets at the River Ness, which flows into the Moray Firth at Inverness. In modern times, the creature was affectionately given the moniker Nessie and has become a hit with those in cryptozoology. One sighting of Nessie made in 1933 by George Spicer was the catalyst to what we imagine it looks like today. He claimed to have seen the creature on land and said it had a long neck and was seal-like. Five days later, people started to suggest that Nessie was a plesiosaur, which is a large prehistoric marine reptile. But in the recent ice ages, Loch Ness was originally frozen, so the creature would have had to make its way up the River Ness from the ocean and into the lake. Plesiosaurs, which are believed to have been cold-blooded, would not survive long in the waters of Loch Ness. Others theorize that Nessie was an archaeocyte, a primitive whale with a serpentine neck that has been extinct for 18 million years. In contrast, Roy Mackle, a biochemist, said in 1976 that there were over 10,000 reports of the Loch Ness Monster, but none gave evidence of Nessie having a long neck. Only 20% of the reports mention a neck of any length, so it seems as if the long neck is not its natural form. Since the big boom of eyewitnesses in 1933, stories of Nessie continue to circulate, PBS Nova gathered and aired a documentary showcasing multiple accounts from the people of Scotland. Ian Cameron's story says, Well, we're talking about an incident that happened approximately 32 years ago, almost to the very day. Midsummer, June 1965. I, along with a friend, was on the south shore of Loch Ness, fishing for brown trout, looking almost directly into Arkark Bay. When I saw something break the surface of the water... I glanced there and I saw it, and then it wasn't there. It had disappeared. But while watching, keeping an eye and fishing gently, I saw an object surface. It was a large black object, a whale-like object going from infinity up and came round onto a block end, and it submerged to reappear a matter of seconds later. But on this occasion, the block end, which had been on my right, was now on my left, 
so I realized immediately that while in the process of surfacing, as it may, it had rotated, and with the predominant wind, the southwest wind, it appeared to be, I would say, at the stage drifting easily across. So I called to my friend Willie Fraser, who incidentally had a sighting of an object on the lock almost a year ago to the very day. I called him and he came up and joined me. We realized that it was drifting towards us and, in fact, it came to within, I would say, about 250 to 300 yards. In no way am I even attempting to convert anybody to the religion of the object of Loch Ness. I mean, they can believe it, but it doesn't upset me if they don't believe it. Because I would question very much if I hadn't had the extraordinary experience of seeing this object. If I hadn't seen it, I would have without question given a lot of skepticism to what it was. But I saw it, and nothing can take that away. Then there's Richard White's story. Right, I'm driving along the lock side, glancing out the window. You can see the rock formation. I was just down on the road there. It just rises. I saw this boiling in the water. I thought, no, it can't be anything. And I carried on a wee bit. Then I looked again and I saw three black humps. I mean, you know there's a chance. I've seen something in the water, but what is it? So I'm gobsmacked. I'm looking out the window. I just didn't know what it was. Then the people came up behind me and they obviously wanted me to move, but I didn't want to lose sight of this thing. So I just pulled over to the side, grabbed my camera, and I thought I was being very cool and very nonchalant and took two or three photos. In fact, as I say, I had taken nine or ten without realizing. I just punched the button. It was just a pity. It was a small camera. PBS Nova then asked, did anybody else see anything? And Richard says, yeah, the other two people who were there. I was just so excited I didn't get their names and address or anything. They saw it exactly the same as me, because the wee wifey, who would have been a lady in her 50s on holiday, she was Scottish, and she said to me, I've not been in the bar this morning. And her husband said, Ack, it's an eel, it's an eel. And I said, There's no eels that big. And he said, Ack, it's otters. Well, that does it for this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me at hauntedpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Twitter for now at podcast underscore haunted, Instagram at it's haunted what now, or at hauntedpod.com. Production assistance provided by Jesse Hawk. Research and writing provided by Olivia Holmesley. Writing assistance by Sherilyn Reyes. Production assistance by Jesse Hawk. The official composer and audio engineer for the show who creates all the spooky tunes is Neeks at We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Until next time. Did you hear that?